friends, welcome to episode two of the Broke Bookworm podcast. I hope today's episode finds you well, and I'm thrilled to have you here listening. Thank you so much. Um, If you saw my Facebook post, I had planned to have this episode last week, and thank you if you have bared with me. Um, Had some not so great mental health last week, but that's okay. I took time for me. I'm doing better. So here I am for you today to hear me ramble about a book. I decided for this episode in honor of Pride Month to review an LGBTQIA plus novel. Cue sound effects. Thank you. I'm going to assume that you cued them. Um, there's a ton of great LGBT plus books out there covering a variety of genres. I highly recommend doing your research if that's something that you're interested in reading about, checking them out, seeing what sounds good to you. I had a hard time choosing one, but someone in my book club, yes, I'm in a book club. Look at me being social. I'm so cool. I know. Um, someone in my book club recommended this book to us and I was immediately interested. So without further ado, let me introduce you to this week's book, Partners in Crime by Rachel Bowdler. Um, Rachel Bowdler is an indie romance author from the UK. She has written numerous romance books, romance novellas, sapphic romances. Sapphic is your vocabulary word for the week. Um, I just learned this. (laughs) Um, Sapphic romances are basically just a fancy word for lesbian romances. So there's your vocabulary word for the week. Um... And then she also has some fun holiday themed romances. I think she has like a Christmas one and I'm pretty sure I saw a Halloween one on her fa- on her um, website. So I'm gonna have to go check those out. As I said before, someone in my book club recommended this book. And once I read the synopsis, I was like, I gotta do it. That sounds amazing. Um, it's a pretty recent release. It was published in May of this year. And as I said, it is a novella, meaning it's much shorter than your average novel, um, in case you did not know that. <laughs> and this one's wonderful. It's a really good quick read. It comes in at 160 pages. I was able to read this in a day. So, you know, uh, Rachel did include some content warnings at the beginning of the book, nothing too serious or dark, but she does include that this book has mentions of murder and death, both on page and off page characters being intoxicated, violence and some strong language and familial familial problems. Um, Like I said, nothing that's too serious or dark, in my opinion, but I'm always really appreciative when authors take the time to include content or trigger warnings. It doesn't necessarily mean that the book that you're about to read is going to be just like the most gruesome book ever. It just basically means like, hey, these are some like sensitive topics that you might encounter in the book. And I always appreciate when authors do that because it kind of gives you a heads up. So you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. So I have the synopsis pulled up for us and let me read it to you and you will see why I was so excited to read this book. So here's a synopsis. Though they are polar opposites in many ways, best friends Bryce and Thea are both attracted to all things horror, including true crime. And to prove it, they co-host weekly podcast episodes of Perfect Crimes together with their producer Mikey in the dusty basement of Stone Grange's local bookstore. When a string of murders suddenly begins to plague their small, unassuming town and the police find themselves at a loss, it seems that there's nobody more qualified to help solve the mystery. However, it's soon realized that Bryce and Thea are already more entangled than they could have ever expected because the murders follow a pattern, their pattern. With every case discussed in the podcast comes a new imitation of the circumstances surrounding the victim's death and Bryce and Thea find themselves trapped in a dangerous game of cat and mouse with the killer as their friendship and feelings that they've always hidden until now is pushed to its breaking point. 
When the evidence begins to pile up, conflicting suspicions of the killer's identity begin to rise, and friends and acquaintances of the duo become victims. Things seem to get closer to them with each death. Can they survive the dark shadow following them around town and remain the strong-willed, closely connected partners in crime they've always been? Or will their obsession with murder prove their undoing in a final emotional showdown as the killer is revealed? That was a pretty long synopsis. But doesn't it sound cool? Like, so this book is listed as a romance, but it's also, as you heard, a mystery as well, which I really liked because I get really bored with romances after a while. I can only read so many romance novels before I just get sick of it. Um, so I, I like that there's a little bit of mystery sprinkled in, but we'll get to that. So let me give you my very quick spoiler-free overview of the story. Um, so basically, like the synopsis said, best friends Bryce and Thea live in the fictional town of Stone Grange, Washington. Um, they very much personify the grumpy sunshine romance trope. And if you've never heard of that, that's basically when the love interests are polar opposites of each other, with one of them being very happy-go-lucky sunshine and the other being not so enthusiastic. Um, so the duo... As it said, along with their best friend, Mikey, working as their producer, host a true crime podcast called Perfect Crimes. They cover things like serial killers, murders, anything gruesome and true crime related, except for cold cases, which I'll get to later. I'll explain that to you. And as the synopsis said, murders start popping up in their own town and it hits them really close to home. Uh, Thea feels like it's their duty as true crime aficionados and podcast hosts to investigate these crimes that are basically happening in their own backyard in hopes to kind of like help solve them. And as they investigate, they come to this really shocking realization that the murders are copies of murders that they've talked about on their podcast. And at the same time, Bryce and Thea are dealing with their feelings towards each other as they begin to realize that they care for each other more than friends. So with that being said, here is um, my breakdown of the story what I liked, what I didn't like. I'll include my final thoughts and review at the end. And spoiler warning going forward. If you plan to read this book, I would stop, like pause, press pause, go read the book. And then when you're done, come back and listen to my review. Um, I have a really difficult time. As I said in my first episode, I have a really difficult time talking about books without spoiling them for people. So I'm just not even going to try. I'm just going for it. And so this is my warning to you. If you have not read this book yet, stop. If you want to go read it, go read it. Otherwise, come join me for this ride. Um, I warned you so you cannot be mad at me if I spoil this book for you. So just a little heads up. Okay, so I have a little list here. I'm look at me being organized. Um, I have a list of the things that I loved and the things that I didn't love. The list of things that I loved was is much longer. So we'll just start with that. So the positive. Um, first, this was a very quick, very easy read. Um, as I said, when I started the episode, I was able to read this book in an afternoon. And that's one of the reasons I love novellas, because they're basically like bite sized stories. And I've kind of noticed that for me personally, they're great. Like if I've just finished a series or if I just finished a book that was really like heavy and emotional, um, they're good for me. Or I would also recommend them to someone if you're trying to get back into a reading, if you've been in a bit of a reading slump. Novellas are great for that because they're short, they're quick, they're less than 200 pages, they're easy to get through, easy to understand, and nine times out of ten, it's a good story. So novellas are great uh, if you want something to read, but you don't want to be bogged down with a 400 plus page novel. So first little 
star for it that it's short. Secondly, uh, Rachel is a wonderful writer. Her writing style is very easy to read, easy to follow. It's just good in general, which I mean, like I said, this book is 160 pages. So I only got 160 pages worth of her writing. But oh, I, I loved all 160 of those pages. So she's a good writer. Her writing, it's just easy to read. And I don't, I don't know if I'm explaining that properly. Like, sometimes you get a book and the author is so like, wordy and like confounded and into details that it makes it really hard to like kind of like digest the story and so I've had some authors that I've read books from that are kind of like that and so Rachel's really her books are easy to read I, I like her writing style um partners in crime is written in third per third person point of view and the reason I bring that up is because I don't typically enjoy reading third person POVs for some reason I don't know why it's a personal preference type of thing. And ever since I was in like middle school, when I really got into reading, I just did not like books that were told from third person point of view. I don't know why I'm weird. Um, but it didn't bother me as much in this book, probably because it's a novella and it was short. Um, if it's a longer book series and it's or a longer book and it's third person point of view, I have a hard time reading it because I, I don't know, I think I think maybe I just like first person point of view because it really puts me into the story. Like I'm reading it from the character's point of view. I'm getting the character's feelings and emotions. So third person point of views have never been something that I gravitate towards, if that makes sense. But it didn't bother me that much with this book. Um, on the topic of point of view, I really like how Rachel basically splits each chapter in half with half of the chapter following Thea and then the other half following Bryce. And that was nice. It was a really nice change of pace. So I wasn't getting the story just from one character. I was getting it with both characters. So that was that was nice. Um, the next thing I really liked was that the story in general is a really cool story idea. As soon as I read the summary, I was like, how can I not talk about this book? The main characters have a podcast. I have a freaking podcast. It's fate. It's meant to be like sold main characters who run a true podcast and then have to investigate real true crime that's happening in their town. Like that's a really good creative idea. And I liked it. Like it had me hooked. Like it's not, it, that's not a story that I've like heard before. <laughs> so I, I liked that. The, the story idea in and of itself is so creative. I, I enjoyed that. Right. Like authors are, authors are like some of the most creative people on this planet. Like, I would love to, like, pick their brains. I just, maybe I can do that for another episode. Anyways. Um, <clears throat> the next thing I really liked was, and I don't know if this was something intentional or not, but we'll get there. I appreciated how Thea and Bryce discuss and wrestle with the fact that covering true crime and murders can be a bit sensationalizing sometimes. Um, for example, at one point, Thea wants to cover the murders that are happening and this is a quote from the story. She says, do you have any idea what this will do for our podcast? Like implying like it's going to get a lot of attention to their podcast. But Bryce is really hesitant to do that because she's like, no, like we know, like one of the first victims is a local cop that Bryce has known since she was a child. And so it's different because they have a personal connection to the victims. They know the people that are getting murdered rather than this being them talking about 
victims of a murder that occurred like decades ago. And suddenly things are too real for Bryce and things hit too close to home for them. And I think that gets lost on a lot of true crime shows and podcasts and documentaries like in real life. And don't get me wrong, I love true crime. 90% of my sub like streaming service subscriptions are true crime shows. So I would probably listen to Thea and Bryce's podcast. But you get to a certain point where sometimes the content becomes less about the victims and the crime and more about the person who committed the crime. And that's the last person who should be getting attention. Um, For Bryce, suddenly the victims aren't just names on a screen or names that they're researching about or reading about in a newspaper. They're names of people they know. And like I said, I don't know if that's something that Rachel was trying to do in the story, but that's what stuck out to me as the reader, and I I liked it. Um, At the end of the book, it's revealed that the girls, after the climax, and, you know, they figure out who the killer is and almost die, um, they retire their Perfect Crimes podcast, and they start a new podcast called Partners in Crime, which is the name of the book. (gasps) Um, and in Partners in Crime, they give victims a chance to have their voices heard and for stories of survival to be shared. And there's a really great quote in the book where Bryce is saying how it's a celebration of the way people could overcome things was rather than paying homage to killers who didn't deserve their evil to be immortalized. And I fucking love that quote because as much of a true crime buff as I am, I am a very big believer in like, don't say their name. Don't give them the attention. Like, their crimes don't deserve to be immortalized. And so I I like that. Like, true, and true crime media sometimes forgets that. And so I like that at the end of the book, like, the girls, this didn't, like, scare them away per se. Like, they decide to stay in the realm of true crime and keep doing a podcast about true crime, but they shift the lens and they shift the focus away from the people who committed these crimes to the people that were affected by the crimes. And I love that because the book starts, like, the first page picks up with them talking about a murderer in one of their episodes and naming his name and talking about what he did and things like that. And so I like that it's a stark contrast from how we began the book versus how we ended it. We started it, you know, naming the killers, focusing on the killers, focusing on their crimes to the victims and how victims like Bryce move on from these crimes and how they survive and their trauma. And like I said, I don't I don't think Rachel intended for that. (laughs) to be a message that somebody got from this book because I have a tendency to like way overanalyze and look like way overlook into things and but that's what I took out of it and I mean that's like 90% of what reading is is what message you take out of it and so I appreciated that I got that from this you know short 160 page book so I, I like that um Talking, going back to talking about Bryce and Thea, Rachel does an amazing job of creating well-rounded characters. As I stated earlier, this is Bryce and Thea very much have the grumpy sunshine dynamic. Bryce is very brooding and she's not as optimistic as Thea, but that's due to her upbringing. We learn about Bryce and her absentee mom and growing up having to raise her younger sister on her own and dealing with the Um, immense amount of stress and trauma that can come from that and how 
Bryce constantly feels like she has to be the mom and she can't follow her own dreams or focus her time and energy on what she wants to do because she has to make sure that her little sister, Olivia, who is in high school, is taken care of and can have a better future than what Bryce had. And so that takes a toll on Bryce. And that's one of the reasons why she is so grumpy and not the most optimistic person. And on the other side of the coin, Thea has her own trauma. As you read, we learn that Thea's dad was a victim of an unsolved murder. And I kind of mentioned before that the girls didn't discuss unsolved murders on the podcast. They talked about literally everything else true crime related, but unsolved murders. And this this is why is because Thea really struggles with the fact that she never figured out who was responsible for her dad's death. And as it gets to the climax, you realize that's the reason she is so stuck on this idea of finding out who the killer is, not just because she loves true crime, but because she never got to figure out who took her dad away from her. And we learn towards the middle of the story that the killer has their sights set on Bryce and that scares the shit out of Thea. But now since she has kind of like a forewarning for this, she's trying to like overcompensate and trying to like nip this in the bud before she has to deal with another loss before the killer does get to Bryce and takes her away from her, just like how her dad's killer took her dad away from her. And that's a really scary thought for her. And so that's why she is so like stuck on this idea of, no, we have to figure out who this killer is. Not just to grow and make the podcast popular, but to save her friend because she's been through that trauma. She's lost somebody who she loves and she cares about. And she doesn't want that to happen again. And that kind of depth is something that you don't get in a lot of novellas. Um having thought out characters and decent backstories doesn't happen a lot in novellas just because of the length. They don't lend themselves to amazing storytelling and amazing colorful characters. And so I really loved that Rachel took the time to kind of like sprinkle that in the book so that we got some character building and we got some backstories and we understood why our characters were the way they are. Because at the beginning of the book, I did not like Bryce. I was like, she's a fucking asshole. Like, I just didn't like her. I was like, lighten up, like chill out. It's not a big, like whatever. But then like, as I'm reading, I'm like, oh, that's why she is the way she is. And at certain points, I thought Thea was really annoying and kind of selfish. But then I realized like, oh, that's why Thea is the way that she is. And so I liked that. It made the characters a lot more likable and relatable on some level. Um, at its core, this book was a textbook mystery. And I don't mean that in a negative way because I'm still on the positives. Um, you know, with mysteries, you've got murders that are happening. In this book, murders are happening. The girls figure out the clues or in this case, the patterns. And the murderer was someone close to them all along. And it's a basic format that you can't really fuck up. And like I've stated a bajillion times, this is a novella. You don't expect ground, a groundbreaking story from 160 pages. You just don't. Like, there, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Like, there's not enough pages and enough time and enough space to kind of give that kind of story. And yes, this story format is very formulaic, but I still enjoyed reading it. Like I was guessing the killer right along with Bryce and Thea. I wasn't shocked when it was revealed who it was because I kind of like had my inklings, but like you feel like you're trying to figure out along with them when Mikey and Thea are sitting there at the computer going through the subscribers to the podcast. 
it felt like I was right there with them. And I was like, oh, no, it's not. I, I really don't think it's Jace because of X, Y, and Z. And then I get to the next page and that's what the, they're like, oh, yeah, it's not Jace because of X, Y, and Z. And so that was nice. Like, yeah, it was very formulaic and I knew it was going to happen. But like, I enjoyed it. Like, that's not bad. Having that expect, knowing the expectations and kind of having that background information with, you know, that format, it was fine. I didn't, it didn't bother me at all. Some people I'm sure would find that boring, but I enjoyed it. Um, the last positive thing that I want to mention is the fact that this is kind of random and I had a hard time like verbalizing this into words, but I'm going to try my best. So the characters themselves realize that the killings don't make sense. And let me, let me explain that. So at the end of the story, when it's revealed that Peter was the killer this whole time, little scrawny Peter, who was hitting on Bryce at work and trying to get her to go out with him and like getting real kind of creepy with her at the bar. He's the killer. And he's telling Bryce why he killed everybody. You know, he tells her that he killed the police officer because he was a police officer on the case back in like the 90s when Peter's mom was murdered and it took them too long to find the murderer. And so he blamed the police. And so he he killed that officer. Um, he killed the guy at the bar because it was an easy kill. He killed Hannah, which was Mikey's crush, because he knew that it would get Bryce's attention. He knew that Bryce and Thea knew Hannah through Mikey, and so he knew that it would get her attention as well as like following the pattern. Like he knew following the pattern of their podcasts, copying the murders that they covered would get their attention. And that was his point. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to get Bryce's attention. Um, trying to kill Sarah, the cop, because her dad was the guy who committed the murders in the 90s and killed his mom. So he's explaining this to Bryce and he's doing all of this because he thinks that these things in some twisted, sick way, will get Bryce to appreciate him and fall for him. And Bryce is like, she's like, that doesn't make any sense. But that's the point. Killers don't make sense because they're not of sound mind. And a lot of mystery novels that I've read try to give the, the killers like some rhyme or reason to their crimes. But like, why? Sane people don't kill. And Bryce points that out. Like there's a quote that she says, killers don't make sense, not to anyone but themselves. So like, why would you try to make the killer make sense? I mean, like, I know why authors do that. They do that to give us a good attention grabbing story with like a twisty, windy plot with twists we never saw coming. But it was I, I liked having a character say like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. But then like acknowledging that like, no, they're not going to make sense. Somebody who is of sound mind does not just go out and kill three people and attempt to kill two more because you know it makes sense to him no like that's not and so I like I, I liked that like she kind of like called that out like killers don't make sense so why would this one be any different and so I mean like yeah he had a reason he had what he thought was a reason that made sense you know he wanted Bryce he that was his end that was the end game he wanted Bryce and he thought by doing this and getting her attention because she's so you know obsessed with true crime that it would work and I mean obviously doesn't because you're a fucking psychopath but I just I just like that she pointed that out um okay so with all of that being said and I hope this is making sense to you guys as I said in my first episode I have this wonderful tendency to ramble um and so I'm hoping my little little list that I have pulled up on my computer here is helping me kind of stay on 
stay on target. So let's move on to the stuff I didn't enjoy. And like I said, there's really only one thing that I didn't enjoy. The list of things that I loved is much longer. So was this book perfect? Absolutely not. Um, like I said, the plot in the story was very formulaic. It follows a basic murder mystery plot as well as a friends to lovers plot. You know, Thea and Bryce have unrequited love for each other, but they struggle with it because they don't want the other one to know because it could ruin their friendship. But then at the big climactic ending, it's revealed. But like, what else do you expect? This is a novella. Novellas are not written to be a literary masterpiece. And therefore, their stories are not always going to be the most windy, twisty, crazy, earth shattering plots with shocking twists and turns. You know, like I figured out, I would say probably like halfway through the book, when they found the shed with the pictures in it of all the victims and found Bryce's pictures. That's the point at which I was like, mm, I don't really think it's the cop because they were like, oh, look at the picture. Like it's the little girl. I was like, I don't really think it's the cop though. Like that would be too obvious. Like, I don't think it's the cop. And I was kind of thinking, you know, like Peter's been pretty pervy. He's been very insistent on trying to be with Bryce. You know, when they were at the bar, um, Rachel made a point to write about how he kept like, put, like touching her. Like he had his hands on her leg and she moved it. And then she like Bryce got up to go to the bathroom and Peter followed her. And she was like, Hey, I don't think you can go to the girl's bathroom. And he still kept following her and like kept his hands around her waist. And so I was like, okay, that's fucking weird. And then when Thea came into the bathroom at the bar and was like, Hey, Peter's still out there waiting for you. So I kind of already had it. I was like, Peter's being real fucking creepy. So he is either the killer or he has something to do with it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing that I figured it out early. I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly no Sherlock, but like I've read enough murder mystery novels to like, I kind of know the formula and like, I kind of know like, okay, like this is probably, you know, who it is. And so I was not just like shook to my core when it was revealed that Peter was the killer all along. Like I was not, I wasn't shook. Um, like even Thea at some point stated that she'd always felt something was off about him and he gave off as she would say serial killer vibes. Um, and that was something else that I didn't really like. I felt that was something that I felt was kind of cheesy was that like Thea kept saying like serial killer vibes, but that's just me being pretentious. Um, <laughs> um, so that's pretty much the only thing I didn't like about the story, even though I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Like I came into this story not expecting much, but I still had a good time reading it. So that was really only the thing that I didn't enjoy was that, you know, the plot was very formulaic, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, and that there were certain points like Thea with her fucking like serial killer vibes. I was like, really like, OK, that's that's dumb but that's just me being me so with all of that being said would i recommend this book yes if you're wanting to get into sapphic oh there's our vocabulary word kids get into sapphic romances i would definitely recommend this book there also is not spice in this book and when i say spice i mean that there's no um how do i say this without being vulgar like there's no graphic sex scenes <laughs> in this book and so if you're someone who is uncomfortable with those type of scenes but you still want to read a sapphic romance novel then this would be a wonderful book for you um i'd also recommend this book if you're just looking for a good quick read for a novella it's great um i think that if race if rachel had chose to take this idea and flesh it out into a full-length novel it would have been even better but it's fine as it is 
as a novella. So my overall review for this book, drum roll please. Thank you. Is four out of five stars. It was a good read. Was it amazing? Was it groundbreaking? Was it earth shattering? Will I be thinking about it for the next month? No. But did I enjoy it? Yeah, I did. I really did. And I'm probably a little bit over generous with my reviews. Um, typically, I usually my average rating is between three and four stars out of five. Unless there's some glaring, horrendous problem with the book, I usually give it three to four stars. So this was pretty good. Um, if you want to check this book out yourself, head on over to Amazon. That's where I got it from. You can get the Kindle version or the physical copy. I got the Kindle version just because it's cheaper and because I'm running out of room on my bookshelves. Um, I also saw on her social media that for the month of June, some of Rachel's sapphic novels are only 99 cents. It's not all of them, but there are a few. I saw on Amazon that there's a handful that are 99 cents. And the rest of them, even if they're not 99 cents, they're cheap. Like I got this Kindle version for like $2. So like it's not going to break the bank. Um, with that being said, if you want to read her books, please, 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 please make sure that you're either getting it from Amazon or via her website. Um, there's a big problem in the indie book and indie author community right now with websites basically like pirated ebook websites and they take the ebooks and put them on their websites for readers to read for free which you think like okay I don't have to pay for a book wonderful well that's good for you but that's hurting the indie authors and it's causing them to lose money and causing them to lose readers and so please be part of the solution not part of the problem get it from Amazon or get it through her website please, if you do it. I will be very disappointed in you if you choose to get it from a free website because I raised you better than that. Um, if you want to learn more about Rachel and her other books, you can check her out over on her socials. It's at Rachel Bowdler. Bowdler spelled B-O-W-D-L-E-R. Or you can head over to her website, rachelbowdler.co.uk. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know if you read this book. If so, what'd you think? I've already decided that next week's book will be People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. I got this book at Target. I just finished it. I'm very excited to share. So if you would like to read it, please check it out. Um, unfortunately, it is not on Kindle Unlimited, but it is on Amazon. It is on Kindle. Like I said, I got it at Target. So it's not like a super difficult book to find if you would like to read along with me. So you can share your thoughts and opinions here via Spotify or over on my Broke Bookworm Facebook page. If you'd like to check me out on Goodreads, you can find me at goodreads.com forward slash broke underscore bookworm. And I may also be creating some other socials for the podcast. Um, I've got my Goodreads, but that's like my personal Goodreads. And then I've got the Facebook page for it. But I was kind of, I'm considering making a Twitter and possibly like an Instagram or TikTok. I don't know. I'll let you guys know. I am, that's, that's a lot of work for me and I am lazy. So um, until next time, dear listeners, stay safe, make good choices and read something. I love you very much and I will talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs>